you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Around the NFL podcast is still beefing with the Move the Sticks podcast. Welcome to another edition. I could use an editor. Of the Around the NFL podcast, my name is Dan Hansis. I'm coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? What would you have liked to edit from the top, that top? <laughs> it felt like there were about three to four extra words there. Just mm. a little clunky, that's all. That's fine. They're not all going to be gems, just I mean, like would the you, Movie Sticks podcast itself. Would you have liked... Uh, <laughs> Matt Money to edit it himself. I mean, he's he's a good radio man. He has a good a good ear for a good line. Would well, you know what I job? do in the whenever we have these type of situations. You know what you know. My move is just blame Erica. <laughs> well, another another option um, is to blame um, Daniel Jeremiah just for even recently starting a podcast. I'm glad he took our advice. I, I threw it out there on the <laughs> around the NFL broadcast. That'd be cool. He's had this popular Twitter account. He, everyone knows him, you know, in terms of the NFL draft analysis. And he has started a podcast. We found out recently. And uh, good luck to him. I think people enjoy it. That's a good job by you, Greg. Right. I mean, to suggest you know another vehicle for him to get his voice out. I don't know why it's taking less college so football. So you know, there's just it's going to be strange times for the draft analysts. Uh, this is the Wednesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. It's it's a fun one. Football's getting closer, boys. It's getting closer. So today, one day, Thursday, and then is football three weeks from Thursday? We're as we tape, it's twenty two days from right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> How about that? I mean, hopefully this football, but you know what? I on that on that subject, I do not want to jinx it. I'm gonna 
knock on wood right here, but it, it feels like, and yes, you can get on the league for maybe being slow to action through the summer, or, or perhaps that's just how it was perceived on the outside, but but things seem to be going very well right now in terms of how these training camps are operating. Once again, and we're watching Hard Knocks every Tuesday night, you see the way the Rams and the Chargers are going about their business and all the safety precautions. So far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah, I think it's like the only blip on the radar is, you know, in, in Seattle where, uh, you know, a low a low tier player tries to sneak in a female dressed in Seattle garb. That's the kind of thing that's going <laughs> to throw teams off. I mean, outside of that, I'd have to agree that I don't know if I've ever been more optimistic about the league and the season getting underway than the last couple of days. Right, and they're just starting to really practice and play football, which is a pretty big step to take in terms of contact and everything. But with the daily testing, it's like they're going to be daily test. They're going to be testing daily through the start of the season. They're talking about maybe extending it beyond that. And I know that's not going to solve uh, the virus, but it does have to make you feel better. Uh, about these guys, you know, bumping up uh, up against each other, it, it is really good. There's less. I think there's there under ten again. players. What is with you, Greg? And <laughs> the bumping up very, against uh, each other stuff. Yeah, they're bumping so up against each other. With you. They're bumping. I mean, bumping uglies. How about like athletic combat? There's got to be another way to put this. I mean, uh, Mark will tell you as an ex-player. I mean, this—it's a physical sport. You know, you're—you're you're not going to get in close contact with that with almost any other humans in your yeah, life. Yeah, Greg, you're right. I mean, there is a lot of bumping going on, and so I think it—it it applies. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of rubbing and bumping and tugging. All right, ah! today's show is going to be fun. Yes, we're three weeks away just about from the first kickoff of the season. So we're going to continue to kind of spin around the league and find our league, excuse me, and find some storylines out there that are percolating just beneath the surface. Yes, it's that time again, people. Training camp whispers. Hope everybody did their homework. I got a lot. I mean, yeah. With less kind of like on-site reporting, it's just almost a breeding ground for whispers. You know, it's just like more know. whispers. You can't you can't speak out loud anymore. They got all these media rules about what you can and can't report, so it's got to come out in a whisper. You'd have to be six feet under the last couple of days not to um, you know be on the receiving end of some of these whispers because it's it, the season to me starts. When the news moves so quickly that if you leave your computer for like an hour, you come back to like 406, um, some of them very snarky Roto World updates. And that's what that's been the last mm. couple of days. And that's when I know that, um, you know, social life, family life is veering towards a hard stop for the next half <laughs> year or so. Yeah, that's about right. So we'll uh, spin around the league and get you caught up to date on what the beat reporters and so on are talking about. Uh, but before that, let us do some news. The other thing I, uh, you know, you get a chance to reflect on it. Uh, I apologize for my poor judgment taking my shirt off on Hard Knocks. All right? See you guys. <laughs> I mean, it's all there. The theory that I posited last week totally checks out. McVeigh makes up this idea that the dog that he had can do a trick with a football near a basketball hoop. Clearly he's just pegging the dog in the snout repeatedly. Dog doesn't know any tricks, you know, but it gave McVeigh a chance to take his shirt off. 
and then he takes some ribbing both internally and probably on social media. And now he re- he circles back in episode two of Hard Knocks, the recap of which you could find on NFL.com, by the way, written by yours truly, and mentions again that he had his shirt off. Just in case some ladies may be watching, missed the premiere, they could cycle back and see <clears throat> Sean McVay in his glory. He, he is a very well-prepared coach. And see you, you. Can, you can tell his comedy is well prepared too. I mean he he has like he has his rundown of what he's going to accomplish at the meeting, and he knows he's going to end that coach's meeting with that joke. He knows he's going to make the Andrew Whitworth has been playing for forty years joke while addressing the team. It's all very planned out. I don't know if that always leads to the best comedy or not, but at least he's given it a shot. <laughs> when I think about what's the what is the secret sauce to comedy. Preparation. <laughs> well, that's probably as good as it gets in NFL comedy. Yeah, circles. he's fine. So yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy it. And I'm ta- again, Colleen. I'm going to give her all the credit because she's the one to mention on text. That guy is turning into John Gruden. <laughs> he sounds like John Gruden. He's starting to look like John Gruden. I mean, that was his mentor. I- so it's not like it comes from you know nowhere. It was the guy that he was trying to be like when he was a young coach. They love showing those clips. Uh, NFL Films does, and yeah, there's definitely a little imitation as a, the sincerest form of flattery there. I mean, but not every men, not every mentee winds up looking uh, like mannerisms, like speech, like the the mentor. In this case, it's a, you know he's going all out, singing the Monday Night Football song. Please, <laughs> I know. I mean. I didn't even piece that together. The great Andrew Marchand, who dropped that nug that ESPN and McVeigh had a conversation, and now he's singing the song when he knows. I thought that was like, in terms of preparation, that to me seemed like he was serving that up so that we would sit here and others would sit here talking about it for the following day or two. Nice. Speaking of Sean McVeigh and Hard Knocks, Peter Schrager, our buddy, has the Hard Knocks podcast, and McVeigh is on the show this week, so make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get into the news. The Chargers are also subject uh, a subject on Hard Knocks Los Angeles this season, and one figure who has not been on the field for the Chargers, Melvin Ingram, the great uh, defensive end, the bookend with Joey Bosa that makes things go on that Chargers defense. The Athletics, Daniel Popper reports that Ingram is holding out from practice because he's dissatisfied with his contract situation. And Greg, this is an interesting situation here because in the old days, holdouts were commonplace. Today, with how heavy the fines are with the new CBA, you never see it anymore. Is Ingram a trailblazer? Has he found a way to hold out while also being in? The Holden. It's either the Holden or the in-house holdout. Um, I think he is a sign of things to come because this is the first training camp since the CBA has been, been signed. And they na- it now no- doesn't give it no longer gives any wiggle room to teams finding players who skip camp. They have to. They're, it's a mandatory fine. And I think this is a way to do it. You're going to have to have some sort of mutual respect between the two sides, which these two uh, should after nine seasons together. And and he's coming up at the end of what was a a massive contract extension back in 2017, I believe. And 
I think he's probably confident they can work something out. I did see a report, though. He wasn't at practice today. He's at least been outside watching practice, but now he hasn't even, now he's not even at practice anymore. And it's tricky because he's a leader. And yet I don't know if they would want to give him a big time extension. He's 31 years old. He's coming off. Um, his worst season in the last, you know, probably four or five seasons. He had a couple injuries, still played well, but not at his previous level. So it's a thorny situation. A lot of times when there's a player like this, they'll find some way to make him happy, maybe give him some incentives, guarantee some of this money if coronavirus ends up wiping out some of the scenes. Some sort of small compromise without giving him a big contract maybe gets it done. Like the agent shot that down, but that seemed like a logical... Uh, perhaps thing that he's pursuing is in a season that right now it looks good, but if things got weird, he's in the final year of his deal making $16 million, none of it guaranteed, maybe angling for some guarantees, at least for now, but trying to do it in a friendly way where then the contract comes after. But I kind of like the approach of, um, you know, the being at work sort of. Like I, I could imagine going to the newsroom and say, I'm here, but I will not be producing anything. That was my entire run at Walgreens, the drugstore in Pearl River, New York. I mean, I, I think we've all had jobs where we're literally punching the clock and then just counting down the hours. Right well, in I your strawberry I, truck. You almost, you almost took down the whole fruit industry uh, in New England. I mean, look, I, I my effort was strong with the tra- strawberry truck uh, going up and down the East Coast. Now, did I get lost many times in a pre-GPS era to the point where I was almost in tears, you know, like six hours from home at uh, 8 p.m. at night? Yeah, that happened. But I was trying. I was putting in a, a good effort. I just don't have a great sense of direction. We've seen that sense of direction. And that's, it, it's all four of us are tagged with the lack of it when, you know, oh, let's leave our hotel and go walk to uh, the convention center on Super Bowl week and no one can find it. And we, we end up in, the, in a rough corner of town and need Wes to get us out yeah. of it. You youngins. No, really, Patra. Patra's the only guy Patra's that ever knew guy. how Wes to help is us. no better. You youngins don't understand before GPS, uh, before Waze, before <laughs> Google Maps, all you had was this thing called MapQuest. And it would be something and you log on to your computer and you put in the entry point and the destination and it spit out directions. And that those worked okay until you made one wrong turn and right. then they were useless <laughs> to you. And I remember, to your point, Greg, uh, of you on being on the verge of tears, uh, when I was 19 uh, and I was – not somebody that ever really left my hometown really at that point. I was still just a kid and I was driving to Villanova uh, to visit my friend, Sarah. And I got there. (laughs) I got there with no problems and I was really proud of myself. It was a little like victory in my 93 Ford Escort. But then going back, I made the wrong turn and another wrong turn and then all of a sudden I had no idea where I was I had no cell phone and I rem- I still remember to this day gripping the top of my steering wheel as hard as possible <laughs> racing 70 miles down uh, per, per hour down some turnpike and being like what am I going to do um, yeah you kids don't understand no we all have those my dad once tested me and I was not that young I was probably like 18 or 19 and also it essentially never left my town and he was like come pick me up at work in Westchester and I, I mean, I had never really been, I had never driven in a metropolitan surrounding before. And I'm like lost on the Tappan Zee Bridge or somewhere yeah, like that. Spot. And, yeah. you know, weird, uh, like I, to, you, to your point, Dan, I thought my life is over. I've failed my father. Um, <laughs> the quickest thing to do would be to park this car along the Tappan Zee and just hoist myself into whatever body of water is below. What can I it's achieve from this point?
You know what I had though in the in the strawberry truck, no lie, was a car phone. Like, you know, plugged in. <laughs> you have no That's idea. cool. <laughs> there was a car phone. Now, did I get lost sometime cuz I would just uh, call up my girlfriend at the time on the car phone while while driving around and racking up uh, phone bills in in uh, in retaliation for the $8 an hour they were paying me for uh, like long Wow, loaded. Time. Give me a break. Greg, that was that was sneaky loaded with humble brags. You had a car cell phone in 1997. Well, it wasn't mine. It was there. I was driving in an extended right. Astro van owned by this farm. It's not like it's it sound was like my, the worst my... employee ever for that industry, but uh, it didn't last long. Yeah. Anyway, uh, good luck to you, Melvin Ingram. I think he's probably um, part of the reason this might be the end of the road beyond the fact that he's 31 is that Joey Bosa just signed a five-year, $135 million contract. Maybe not fiscally responsible to do multiple massive deals on one line, but you never know. These teams find a way with the salary cap, but we'll see how it plays out. In other news, speaking of money news, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero having a big summer. You're right, oh, Greg. Pelissero's having a nice summer. <laughs> haven't really spoken to Pelissero much. He's kind of not a guy that I know too well, but uh, I'm going to give him credit where credit's due. He he's reports been, the Vikings He's been on winning. the beat a long time, you know. He's, he's putting in the work. You know, when we ever, when these league events ever, you know, come back together, the show's going to be six hours long. Um, I am going to make a point of it to have a friendly conversation with Tom Pelissero. Well, I mean, and he should know, or he should understand through back channels that if after many league events that you and he have not had that conversation, <laughs> uh, that he might be on your radar. I'm just saying it's possible. I don't. No one knows that, but he, it would be behoove, it would behoove him to get off your radar on that on that front. If we ever go to a league event ever again, right? Anyway, Tom reports that Dalvin Cook, the great Vikings running back, broke off contract talks with the team and will focus on preparing for Week One. Uh, he has one year remaining on his rookie deal. He wanted to get paid going into this year after his big breakout season in 2019. There was talk that he might hold out. That didn't happen. This feels like kind of a best-case scenario for the Vikings, where he appears to be ready to drop his grievance and just focus on ball. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. He's one of many really good running backs that are slated for free agency. Alvin Kamara, um, Joe Mixon is one of the players out there. And then like kind of a long list of guys who are like a solid second tier. And uh, I don't know. I saw like Dalvin Cook pop up in the top 25 players on the top 100 list. And I was like, I I love Dalvin Cook, but um, I don't blame the Vikings for being hesitant considering his injury history and that it really was one amazing he always looks great when he's out there but it it, i would not want to be giving him a todd Gurley contract right now i think they also love alexander madison not in replace of dalvin cook in any way but these running back contracts make gms look like fools in some cases so the hesitation makes some sense if you're a gm you kind of love the franchise tag when it comes to running backs yeah i'll give you 10 million dollars for one year i just don't want to like give you you know a four-year contract In other news, the Kansas City Chiefs will not be one of the NFL teams playing in front of an empty stadium. The team finalized plans to host games at Arrowhead Stadium with approximately 22% capacity. I don't know how much it holds, so you don't get a chance to see me figure out the math on this one. But let's let's guess it's around 15 to 20,000 people. I don't know. Uh, So we'll see how this goes. Uh, This comes... um, 
after the Chiefs rolled out enhanced cleaning and sanitation measures, and they will subject all staff members to health screenings upon arrival and will direct all staffers to wear personal protective equipment and exercise proper hygiene. Greg, what do you think? You nailed it, by the way. Weird. 16.8 would be their capacity right now. I'm getting better at math as I age. Well, it's becoming instinctual. I'm getting worse in almost every other way as a man, but in math, I'm just going through the roof lately. I'm not sure I do the trade-off there. I mean, I <laughs> every other way. Nor would I. I mean, what's what's the upside here? What, what are what? I don't know. All these colleges, for instance, that you know brought their kids on campus for a week or two and then realized, oh, that was a terrible idea. Let's quit that. Like, is this actually going to happen? And what are we, what are they really getting out of it? I guess the the fans are getting the experience of going and they do want to go and 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 it's outside and and hopefully there's a way they can do it safely and and everyone's separate but it's like when you talk about like the sanitation and all it's like that that feels like pr <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like right. the, the 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 research shows that the virus is not being transmitted too often um you know through touch on on surfaces anyways yeah it's great it's great you're doing that but it just doesn't feel like the reward here is worth the risk and i think you look at the rest of the world which is in 700% better shape, whatever, like a million percent better shape, and they don't have fans in the crowd. So I don't is know. That, is that proper math there? I don't know if that was. <laughs> no, that didn't really make sense. They're, they're in much better shape than us, and they, they don't have fans in the crowd despite being in better shape. So it's like maybe we should start taking a cue from some countries that are doing a better job than I, us. Part of the cynical part of me initially we thought, don't do well, that, they, Greg. This, it, we part don't of me just thought this is the NFL countries. attempting to – um, they always want to be the center of attention and the spectacle of spectacles that that opening night, they want Americans in the stands cheering and the slick cutaways to that. I mean, th- th- more reasonably, like the league said, some cities can handle it this way, others that way. It feels a little bit in the zone of competitive disadvantage if, and I mean, 16,000 fans aren't exactly... It's also exactly weird. It's going to be mostly empty. Like, it's right, like, that's the thing. It's, it's like, 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 gonna be de- Is that really going to make you feel good? Is it going to be depressing? I don't know. Well, and they're talking about, you know, they're looking into piping and noise, like which we're seeing in other sports. And I think that it that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I would love that job. I think you could do really weird things and freak some people out if you were able to control the crowd noise through a whole NFL game, if you're like an editor of that. But at the same time, I mean, if if you replaced that with 15,000 fans and at any given moment, you know, 3,000 are getting beers or going to the bathroom, that feels like a kind of lame crowd to me. So... I'm sure they want to do it for the it, for the it to push the. It people just raises in. a question about responsibility to the community you're in, which is where I think the universities should take a lot of a lot of heat for what's gone on already across the country. You are contributing to your community um, having more coronavirus. You made a decision out of you know in those colleges uh, for more money. And you, the decision ended up being you are making it less safe for the people in your community. So that would be the concern. Why would I, I know we don't want to go too from deep. Team to this. team, <laughs> why would one? Do you? Does anyone else think to have like four teams that can have twenty thousand fans going crazy, and then the next week that same team goes and visits a stadium where it's you know completely silent? <laughs> I feel like it's a failure in the realm of common sense by the NFL. It, both because of the safety, obviously, that Greg is hitting on, and also what you hit on, that anything that gives a competitive advantage to however many teams do this feels like it's unfair. 
and it, and it almost encourages other teams to take risks. But hey, listen, Cowboys say the they'll have fans it. too. They haven't really specified the details, but but Jerry Jones has been pretty uh, clear about that. And Texas obviously is not you know one of the places that's in better shape. Jarrah. Whereas New York is very clear. There's no fans all season, and yet they're in the best shape because they've kind of been scared straight. That's why I think it's tied that to politics a little sense. bit and who your governor is. But there are a bunch of teams that have not made a final decision yet. It, so you we could see, and maybe part of it is you're waiting to find out where we are a month from now or you know middle of November. Exactly my point. Like teams are going to keep the door open, and then when it works in Kansas City, other teams are going to open the doors. But are they going to have the same safety protocols? Will they be able to carry it out in the way Kansas City hypothetically can? I mean, eh, seems unnecessary. Let's talk some injuries. Not fun to talk injuries, but it's part of training camp. The Dolphins place linebacker Vince Beagle on injured reserve with a torn Achilles. That ends his season. Uh, he has uh, been in the mix. For uh, the Dolphins, he had 15 appearances last year, 10 starts, um, but he will not be involved this season. Yeah, the handful of players that have been deemed out for the season with kind of non-contact injuries this week haven't been like serious. Beagle was their best pass rusher last year, and they don't have many good players on defense. But, I, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere. Robert Alford was another guy, the cornerback for the Cardinals that caught my attention, just because... Their their secondary to me is a, a big problem, and Alfred was expected to start. And uh, I think when you look at the Cardinals being kind of a buzzy team, they have a lot of fun things about them, but they have some parts of their team that look up as bad as any team in the NFL. And I would include you know their their cornerback depth and their defensive line among that. Right. Only the Lions uh, gave up more yards through the air than the Cardinals last year per game, and. You know, Alford, I wonder what the future... He's a friend of the show. You remember, Dan, you and Wes and I interviewed him after the uh, Falcons knocked off the Rams uh, in the playoffs a couple years ago. A best friend of the show. A best friend. I mean, there's the... the, the it, it goes I mean, it could have but... been a Super Bowl hero if the if the team had finished it off. Uh, big time uh, pick six. Am I, am I crazy in the Super Bowl? I mean, uh, is that a bad memory? I don't <laughs> we'll know. To check our research department. <laughs> I was writing about this as well, what you were saying there, uh, Greg, on the power rankings, which you might think it's improbable, but it brings the clicks. So they asked the Zeuser to roll out a training camp power rankings that dropped today. And I said that very thing, Greg, that that the Cardinals, they're a buzzy playoff pick right now. But you can't ignore the fact that no team in the league allowed more yards on defense last year. (laughs) And Alfred, even if they were high on him, he broke his leg last year and missed the whole season. They were asking him, hey, now jump back into the league and line up across from Patrick Peterson and, and solidify that spot. Mm. Well, even that was seemed to be a gamble, and now they're scrambling three weeks before the season. He was the, uh, he was the one with the pick six in the Super Bowl, which at that very moment nice. was one of the lowest moments I felt in the Brady era because it was like, Oh, this isn't going to happen. This is never going to happen again. I love that the lowest moment in the Brady era lasted about 41 minutes. And then suddenly, (laughs) you know, the greatest moment in the Brady era suddenly is birthed from that. The lowest Brady moment happened in the Super Bowl. Think about it. Probably when he blew out his knee in week one, 2008. That was one of them. Coming off 18 and one and having revenge on the mind and then it all going away. But. Maybe it was up to Speaking of whispers, there are whispers that maybe rookie Isaiah Simmons 
could see a little time at slot corner. Could see, you know, they want to, they want to move him all over the place, and so maybe with Alfred out of the mix, that could be uh, an answer there. You know, Mark, don't think we didn't notice. You missed Monday's show for moving and internet purposes, and then all of a sudden Tuesday, you're all over Twitter. You're tweeting about the Lions' uh, defensive backfield. You're tape dogging on a defensive Tuesday night backfield, and then and then here you go. Here you go, dropping nugs about Isaiah Simmons. We're we're noting this. Well, he's, ready got, to go. he's got the NFL Network polo on today. Now, is he on Inside Training Camp Live? Maybe yes, maybe no. But well, dress for the job that you want. Want well, that's that's Not right. And I have. somehow moved to um, you know, the, the studio that we were in last year. If you want, or last week, this time in my other house was you know leveling off at about ninety five degrees each time. And I've found a room that is somehow. About eight degrees hotter, and so I, I don't know if that's an up an upgrade or not. Bears cornerback Artie Burns also on injured reserve with a torn ACL. That is very bad uh, for Burns, the uh, former first round pick. Rarely played for the Steelers last year, and now his chance to kind of reboot things with the Bears goes by the boards. You wonder what comes next for the twenty five year old, and finally Mac Wilson. A linebacker for the Browns who was in the news this week for the horse collar tackle that gave Nick Chubb a possible concussion. Well, that I believe the same practice. He suffered a what Mike Garofolo the next day. Mike Garofolo reported a significant hyperextended knee. ESPN reported it would be highly optimistic if we saw Wilson before October. So it could have been worse, but could have been better. Is is this guy a, a difference maker for you, Mark? I, well, he was projected to be a starter, and you know you, you follow some of these guys on Twitter, and I cannot find, I cannot think when it, when this happened, he is the guy that I thought of all the Cleveland Browns, who seemed like he was working out like crazy and so determined to make a big jump, and he did a couple. He, you know, PFF did not love him last year, but Mac Wilson had a couple plays that gave you a lot of hope that they had found something, and I think enough that allowed them to think we can move on from Joe Schobert, we can move on from Christian Kirksey, and now that linebacking core has literally nobody other than B.J. Goodson with any experience. Mm. And I I would be very concerned about, you know, they play the Ravens three weeks from now. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't like the matchup at all. And, and no matter what, everyone talks about the offense. The defense could be one of these. T- if, if they get more injured than they are now, I, I don't like the situation for them at all against the run. It, it's devastating. Their linebacker core mm. may be the worst in the league in terms of like Whoa. known quantity right now. On paper, that was their worst position group before this injury, right. and he was probably their best player. Um, I guess if you're the, the positive would be that's a good position to have as your worst position group, off-ball linebacker. So we'll, we'll see. I think their defense is okay. All right. That is what's happening in the news. I need you to close your eyes. It's time now to listen very, very carefully. Get in tune with yourself. How are you feeling inside? Do you hear that? If you close your eyes and tilt your head a little to the right, you can hear the training camp whisper. Wow. Hmm. Does that just put you in a place or what? That was needed. That was serene. 
Sometimes I forget, like, this is going to be the part that's cut for social. I should, I should like, <laughs> dial in that we're on camera. I try to just think it's like a podcast, you know. But then I just halfway through that, I'm like, oh, yeah, this one's going to be cut. And I'm just sort of, like, checking my texts. I had the same exact thought, and suddenly it was like, oh, Dan's, Dan probably knew that this was coming. So he, very in a very organized way, closed his eyes, and I caught up later and thought, I'm going to... Jump in here and do as I'm told. I mean, it's an audio form, you know, to begin with. Um, that is that is true. Like, if if this podcast had PFF advanced analytics, and there was a stat for like parts of the show that get cut for social, the numbers would really tell you that it's Erica Tamposi jams <laughs> that get cut more than anything. We're just again just background players, the chorus. When it comes to our social game on uh, around the NFL, many of them very deserving because if we get too far down that <laughs> wormhole, we'll never appear on social again. So be wise. <laughs> All right, let's go through it. We're just gonna kind of jump around the league, our league, with whispers. Let's try not to get too bogged down on any one topic. This no, is more... I got a lot of them, so let's hit them. Yeah, I, I have quite a few as well. So we're gonna kind of jump around and hit on things, and then move along. Uh, sharing the whispers that we're hearing across the league. Greg, get us going. Ooh, all right. Let's start uh, with one I thought was very intriguing today out of New England, that uh, Mike Reese, the dean of Patriots reporters, suggested, not just in an article, but to Bill Belichick, that the team might use a two-quarterback system. Risky move there by Reese. You don't do that unless unless, unless you're the dean. Right. Well, I think he. I think he has not only a good feel of the type of team that they are, which is a team I could absolutely see doing this, but that he has some information um, backing this. That he's not going to report anything. He's responsible. He also knows that they haven't made any final decisions. But that someone like Mike Reese, and that's why I wanted to bring it up as a whisper, would not bring this up unless. I think there was some conversation that, okay, let's say Cam Newton, who supposedly early, you know, he looks great, but he obviously doesn't know the offense as well as Stidham and Hoyer, who've been there, um, that they could shuttle them in and out. I think this is something Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick would like love to do before settling in later into just Cam Newton, most likely, but early on, maybe a little of both. I, you know, I can remember a game I was sitting in college. It was 1992, like 4,000 years ago. But Broncos-Cowboys, and the Broncos shuttled between two quarterbacks the entire time. And it was amazing as a fan to watch. I thought it was highly dramatic. It didn't work at all. I, I think that when this has been tried... People always hate much, it. Yeah, <laughs> It just doesn't work. And I think Belichick would have a beat on the fact that it's... Um, it could be like a one- or two-week type thing. I think Belichick would want to know exactly. He would know by then who his guy is, but this is the weirdest lead-up for Cam Newton or anyone else to succeed. Belichick, though, came off that and said that don't be— I mean, He said we could lean on a ton of super heavy sets, um, 23 formations where you know, you're talking two running backs, three tight ends. I think they're going to get really freaky, um, which only adds to the intrigue of what Belichick— you know. It, it, I, I think that he's got a heart of revenge this season to show what he can do. And all these little people saying the Patriots won't be relevant will be bitten in the butt. <laughs> if anyone else was connected to this type of scheme in 2020, a lesser coach, it'd be absolutely destroyed. Since it's Belichick, well, people will say, hmm, that's an interesting thought. He has but, a little bit of credibility, doesn't he? I mean, well, he did when Tom Brady was his quarterback. We'll see what he can do now. See if he can still <laughs> play the guitar. 
Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't see him rolling out 14 win seasons before Tom Brady was around. Well, he was there for yeah, one year it. before that, but okay. Uh, I mean, in Cleveland also, I think he got shit canned, as I recall. How about, well, they ele- also, how about 11? They also had a defense that gave with- up the fewest points in the league, went 11-5, and five, and then the last team to win a playoff game in Cleveland. So Belichick was treated unfairly when they moved to Baltimore. 11-5 mm, and five with uh, Castle, too. Let's move on to the next whisper. Whisper. <laughs> no playoff. Go ahead, Mark. All right, I'll, I'll go to Philly because I think we've been focused on their wide receiver group for a while, and it seems like they've hit on something with Jalen Rager. Like they, Wentz is pushing him. Uh, he, he's compared him to Julio Jones. They are working together well in practice. Aaron Moorhead, the wide receiver coach, says that he has that swag. I think they're just very pleased with their overall rookie group. I'd throw another name in here, too, who is sort of like a dark horse to make an impact. Quez Watkins, super fast, um, six-round pick, average Tape six most receiving yards per game in college football last year. He's a super small guy, but when you take Marquise Goodwin out of the picture, someone like this could get snaps that he might not have otherwise. But I think Jalen Rager is someone that is obviously at this point ahead of the curve. You know, you get some of these wideouts that don't really pan out early. And uh, this is huge for the Eagles if they, you know, you get Deshaun Jackson back too. Uh, A team that basically had 42 skill position players six feet under a year ago. Mm. Even even worse, even more pressing or more important for the Eagles is this Miles Sanders whisper out there. Uh, he's week to week with a lower body injury. And this man was the key to their offense in the second half. I don't like the sound of it. ESPN reports that Sanders, quote, will be ready to play in week one. Hopefully it's just one of those things where he's uh, – they're being – safe and cautious, which makes a lot of sense. But then you, again, worry about the odd nature of this year and whether injuries are going to stick with players, the way everything has been rolled out. Sanders was on the field for 72% of their snaps in the second half of last season and was a dynamo for them. They cannot afford, with that wide receiver group, even if some of these guys pan out, Sanders not to have a similarly productive year. Hmm. And he's he's a guy I think everyone is expecting – to be one of the clear lead type backs that he is going to be a fulcrum of their offense, but you you have to do it. You know, running back is one of those positions where it's like you got to see Whisper. it. You got to see it before you believe it. He he had 220 carries his last year, uh, Penn State. So that's a pretty big workload. But he's never he's never been that guy um, that's kind of been a bell cow type. There are fantasy drafts where he's going number one. There is a belief in that he can do it. I, yeah. I I don't think this is a serious injury at this point because the Eagles and, and other teams are basically just shelving anyone who get these mm. lower lower body. Injuries. There are people. I, you're wait. You're telling me, Mark, that there are people out there taking Miles Sanders. I'm not first saying, pick first round. I'm not saying it's, it's like happening all over the place. But I actually watched a show yesterday. Um, where that's ex- where that exact same thing happened, and it threw me because you're I'm getting not- into fantasy suddenly. I'm let's dive into this little. I'm hearing a little whispers about uh, Mark Sessler. This is the time to prepare. You know, it's been a weird off season where I thought maybe nothing would exist in October, November. Well, suddenly, you know, we're we're two fortnights away from everything existing and probably being the only thing that exists in our life for six but, months. But, so you got to start you used doing to call the fantasy community a bunch of hobby horses, like playing like a pretend game, but now you're watching like live stream drafts. So it just feels like a <laughs> big 180 degree turn. 
you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to change in better ways. But I also I'd ask you this: Is it bad to be a hobby horse playing a game? Hey, look, I never thought so. I love fantasy. It uh, it gave me an entry into this whole thing. Thank God for fantasy. And let me neatly transition into a plug for the Fantasy Extravaganza, which returns to the Around the NFL podcast next Wednesday. And let me just say this, listeners. This will be the biggest extravaganza yet. That is a promise. Mm. No extravaganza in the history of... ATN extravaganzas will ever <laughs> approach what we're doing next week. Make sure you listen to that episode before you draft. I like, I or don't even bother questions. showing up. Well, like, you know, I could listen to you say ago, extravaganza all day. Extravaganza. It was a year ago during the extravaganza that you um you deemed me to go sit behind the glass. I wasn't even part of the show. Uh, I don't think you can pull that. You can't pull that move on me this time around. Could we mute? Um, we could like. Could we put you in the waiting room of Streamyard? <laughs> well, you probably could, or Erica could. So I, you know, I should. I mean, clam it. Why, why would we want to after this yeah. um, development that you're watching live streamed drafts? That's, can I jump in? Because I've got a real whisper that's in Philadelphia. It's connected. Okay, we, Do we're it. doing Eagles. I heard a little whisper, and this is not someone that's with the team. But after I sent out something um, talking about that whole Nate Sudfeld thing, he might be the backup, not Jalen Hurts, because they don't have a time. I got I got a little whisper from someone connected that was like, "That's a bunch of that's a bunch of uh, public BS." That J- that Jalen Hurts is out there impressing the heck out of this coaching staff and team on a daily basis that Sudfeld maybe shrinking from the pressure a little bit and that anything Peterson was saying publicly was a bunch of um, expectation lowering um, nonsense most likely that they love that they love them some Jalen Hurts early on a natural leader in, in a you know an athletic marvel wow that's a good whisper that's like a legit whisper it was I meant to lead with that I think we whispered about Jalen Hurts on our network show a few times. Did you guys hear that, by the way? Why do you seem so scared? (laughs) All I wanted to do was play with you. Whisper. (laughs) That is problematic. um, (laughs) Whose voice is that? Let's let's head over to uh, your neck of the woods, Mark Sessler. I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns. And this is not just the Cleveland Browns thing, but more a reminder of what's going on in our league right now. J.C. Treader, their starting center, has a knee scope uh, that they clear out some loose particles and so forth. There is positive vibes. Rap Sheet reported that Treader will be ready or should be ready for week one. But the Browns, like my Jets and other teams out there, are really up against it if you're trying to gain a coherent feeling on your offensive line this summer. It's hard enough as it is. It's been it's unheard of to imagine to get an offensive line, and you can play all the Call of Duty you want. I've read some notebooks that <laughs> offensive linemen are finding other ways to bond uh, group text cha- chains with memes and everybody's becoming best friends, but you actually got to be on the field getting the work in to develop chemistry and know what the hell you're doing. So the Browns will use it as an example. Treader may be back week one. Even if he's back week one, he's not practicing with the team right now. This is a, a Browns team that has new tackles on the right and left side and now a potential fifth round pick rookie Nick Harris who's going to be picking up snaps at center 
in the pivot, as they say in the game. Uh, in the meantime, it's just a challenge for the Browns and other teams that are trying to get things figured out on a re- reworked offensive line. I think they have one secret weapon, and you're absolutely right, because they like Nick Harris, but this was not the plan. They had a number of, of offensive linemen opt out, um, which really killed them at right guard. And you're asking Jedrick Wills, and we've talked about this a hundred times, I can't think of a tougher deal than a guy that played right tackle in college to go have to suddenly play left tackle again three weeks ago against a revamped Ravens defensive line and a Ravens defense that's going to come in and kick people's butts anyways. I think the secret weapon is Bill Callahan. I mean, everywhere he goes, mm, the offensive line him. really shines. And uh, I watched an interview with him uh, where he went on for about 45 minutes about each one of these guys. And barring injury, I do think they'll be much improved. But losing Treader, who got a contract extension last year and totally deserved it, um, I don't like that situation at all. Or the idea that he that he gets in there too early. I mean, I this is this, this is a huge concern, and uh, it would affect every part of the offense. Arguably the best Callahan. offensive line coach of the last I think 10, is. 20 years. Yeah. And, yeah, Callahan is maybe the best in the game. But back to my point, he's still got to be on the field, and these guys got to be getting the reps. It's going to be very – it is going to be – and I know I'm not the first to make this point. It is going to be sloppy those first few weeks, especially week one. I'm going to call it right now. We're going to have a record in um, pre-snap, pre-snap infractions. They're going to be talking about that on the second Monday night football game. Well, that's why you got Joe Judge say, making them run those laps. Speaking of which – That will uh, do it. They they announced that the the lead at Monday Night Football team is on the second Monday Night game, while the Herb Street combo Fowler is on the first one. Which is very if you're a conspiracy theorist, it's kind of like, well, which team do you really want? You know more. Which team? So Steelers Giants gets the bigger Fowler game is going Street. to the college guys. It mm-hmm. kind of raises the the question of who's going to be there next year. I have a I, I have a theory about that. Monday Night Football's been under so much fire for so long now that they probably want to get a big chunk of the East Coast audience to go to sleep after the Giants game so that the second team, if they don't thrive in, in week one out of the gate, there's a lot less eyeballs A little less pressure. A little less pressure, yeah. All right, I like that. Let's move on. Greg. All right. Um, let's go to Oakland, where our our friend Vic, Vic Tafur. It's been writing so a lot he of good correct stuff. Us? How did we mispronounce his name before? I remember what we did. It was Tafor. It's Tafor. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna check my. Uh, I'm pretty sure DMs it's Tafor. Sure. So he he was noting that that Mariota um, buzz coming from John Gruden's press conference um, was maybe a, a little overstated in retrospect, and he even prefaced this little note saying, "Here's one for the aggregators." And then noted how stiff oh. he he noted how stiff and um, not great Marcus Mariota looked throwing the football the no. first four or five Impossible. days of uh, training camp, which makes sense because we've seen Marcus Mariota throw throw the football, and uh, that if you were just watching these two guys, you would not think there's there's anything remotely close between Derek Carr. Uh, in Mariota, especially uh, for a guy like Carr, who's now been in that offense and is is often very good in camp and, and should be good in camp, and it's just it's just worth pointing out. A little nice whisper, stunning Tafer, Tafer in a big spot, stunning that Marcus Mariota actually doesn't look that good, as if we didn't get enough years 
of tape to turn that on our own. <laughs> they are pumping up uh, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards quite a bit. I mean, I know it's rookies and I know it's early, but I do think these guys will be playing, and I don't doubt that Henry Ruggs' speed is kind of un- otherworldly. So uh, they are liking at least what what they see so far in practice from those guys. Mark, you're up. Well, I'll go to Buffalo, and I just am impressed with how quickly the Bills have put together um, a bunch of interesting skill position players where they were a an empty cupboard, you know, two or three years ago. Whispers. Running back, you've got Devin Singletary. Zach Moss is getting a lot of heat. Joe Biscaglia and Matthew Fairborn from the Art the Athletic uh, went off on how he has been sort of a physical berserker at the goal line, and basically saying if he if this continues out of practices and into the regular season, that you pair Moss, who is a like a really thumper-type running back with Singletary, and you've got something in the backfield to go along with the rebuilt wide receiver group. The same crew, though, has mentioned that I think the thing is with Josh Allen, and this is this is not a whisper, this is just, just sort of like what we would expect to happen, is that he had an, a practice uh, earlier in the week, I think it was Monday, when Cole Beasley said he is making throws, completing throws that he couldn't even attempt a year ago. But then on Tuesday, he was completely all over the map, according to some reports. So that's the Josh Allen experience, but there's a lot to like around him. And it does not dim my hopes for Buffalo as a potential AFC title team. Hmm. AFC title. Title game. I'm not saying they're going to win the game. I mean, if they get to the game, they they can win it. I mean, if you're speaking, here's a little fantasy extravaganza uh, teaser for you. Do not hesitate to draft Josh Allen because he's going to be great in fantasy. He's going to run the ball. He's going to score touchdowns with his legs. He'll throw 20 to 24 more. But, geez. I don't put too much into these practices right now. Everything's so out of whack. But, geez. Yeah, I don't either. I do. I think, hey, early fantasy stuff, don't be don't hesitant know. to draft Singletary. I know Moss right. is there and he's going to steal some touchdowns and maybe that helps I think know, Moss bump, too, bump Singletary's value down a little bit. But Devin Singletary is a special well, talent. We'll see if Zach Moss is. And if he gets more work, which he should, <laughs> forget it. Why are you eating the microphone, Greg? Give it to me, microphone. <laughs> it doesn't sound good or look good, actually. <laughs> that just became the social clip. All right, let's cycle through quickly a couple more guys each. Greg. All right. I uh, I want to give Jason Verrett a little shout-out. I, I mentioned the 49ers secondary could be a problem. Jason Verrett has only played one healthy season in the NFL, so this comes with a major asterisk. But there's some whispers in San Francisco that he kind of looks like the old guy uh, that we used to see with the Chargers and that he's getting first-team snaps. And uh, he would he would be a major boost for them, even if they got 500, 700 snaps out of him. I don't know if he's going to start or not. They should they should try to be careful. But he was a dynamic player. I mean, he was a Pro Bowler. I thought he was maybe an All Pro quality player. That was five years ago now. So it's, it's it's asking a lot. The guy has not been healthy, but he's just a name we kind of forgot existed on the Forty ers and he might be playing. You're obsessed with the Forty ers right now, Greg, and, and they're like secondary. It, Mark. <laughs> Mark. All right. I will just say I think the early rookie of the year race to me is getting exciting because up in Detroit, DeAndre Swift has been doing it all. Tim Twentyman saying that he's been great, not only as a runner, but on passing downs, which means, you know, if you're carry on Johnson, I don't know what the role will be there, but I love DeAndre Swift. And then what if he goes up against Jonathan Taylor, who the Colts are at this point now where they're putting clips of Jonathan Taylor weaving through the defense uh, to classical music. They love him, and I think that he's going to have a huge role in a pretty young but exciting offense. 
let's circle back to the Detroit Lions. TJ Hawkinson, the 2019 first round pick, acknowledged this week that his ankle is still not quite 100% after sustaining a season ending injury last November. You may remember Hawkinson going off in his NFL debut last September for 131 yards, but then he just kept getting hurt. A bunch of injuries and then the ankle injury that ended his season. You hope that his lower half is right or close to completely right by the time games start uh, because if he could build on his chemistry with Matthew Stafford, an already solid Detroit offense gets that much better. But it is fair now to be concerned that the ankle that wrecked his 2019 could impact mm. his 2020. Sorry, Patra. I'm gonna throw Greg. Out, I'm gonna throw out one uh, in the same division, Minnesota. A name I haven't seen a lot, you know, getting buzzed this off season is Irv Smith of the Vikings. <clears throat> Hit it. Let's hear it for the little girl. Why do you seem so scared? All I wanted to do was play with you. Whisper. Don't be scared of this Vikings offense. Irv Smith could be dynamic. He's one of a bunch of second year guys who. Uh, I think can be really exciting. They're using him a little bit more as receiver. He's a guy, if you waited till the end of fantasy drafts, too much fantasy info here uh, that I'd be excited to take. But he, he seems to be flashing. Maybe it's taken Justin Jefferson, the rookie, a little longer to get up to speed than than you would want. Uh, but to me, Irv Smith might be might be the number two receiver in that team behind Adam Thielen. Mark. I got one for you real quick. Well, I just I'll go down to Miami, and I, I didn't expect you know Tua to start right away necessarily. I think it's because Chan Gailey is there, and they know Ryan Fitzpatrick so well, the two of them, that it's going to be Fitzy. But there were some whispers. I read some things here and there that even Josh Rosen has at times looked a little more with it and better than Tua. Well, that's and I, how, that's I how you know it's camp. I mean, I don't know. Well, it means so. It means it's a whisper. It's not a news report, but it's a little it's a little whisper out there. I still think Tua. You know, probably by week four, they're going to want to see what he can what he can do. Ben Roethlisberger is throwing with some, quote, nice velocity, according to The Athletic. Uh, his throwing motion appears to have changed. Mark Caboli, Caboli, who's, I think, been at it for a long time with the Steelers. Big, big so, check I, I tr- guy, often on the DDFP, I feel like. There you go. Caboli uh, said he noticed it, especially later in practice. So his throwing motion a little bit different, more of a, quote, whip action, almost like Philip Rivers-esque. So I don't know what that means. It's just a whisper. Uh, uh, but Ben Roethlisberger with a, a Philip Rivers type arm sounds like a total disaster. Uh, but we'll see uh, if he can still play the guitar after tearing three elbow ligaments uh, last September. I think it's interesting because I read all that. And, um, you know, he said it was especially at the end of practice. Short army. That's concerning. The short arming, but then you. I went to NFL.com, and that's my employer, so I think they do a wonderful job. Smart. And the, the the top video was Big Ben lobs deep dimes at Heinz Field in training camp. So it's like we've got a couple different storylines uh, clashing here. I well, mean, is it that, or is he short arming Philip Rivers? Lobs? I mean, you I guys know. have been to some of these, or you know, we've been together to these Rams early practices and stuff, and and seeing them live, you do realize how much you're putting your faith into. Uh, the reporter recording like hot takes off of this stuff because I think most yeah. people watching it would be exactly. like, oh, there was some practice. 
You got to really know what you're watching. And you know what? A guy like Mark Caboli has been going for 20 plus years and is a real football head. Knows Big Ben. You know it and you respect it. And that's why it's one of the whispers. But then you got to be careful. There's some other cities. There's some other sources. Maybe you don't want to put as much stock into. And speaking of the Steelers. Whispers. Uh Whispers. 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 Aditi Kinkabwala who does great coverage of the AFC North and the Steelers for NFL Network. I believe she'll be joining us on the Around the NFL broadcast on NFL Network on Saturday morning. So stay tuned for that. We'll almost certainly be asking her about Big Ben and other matters concerning the black and gold. Black and yellow? Black and yellow? Black and gold? Black and yellow. Black and yellow, that's a song. Well, I, I have a different name for them, but I'll I'll accept that. <laughs> Your daddy? <laughs> Basically. Since 2000, yes. Um, all right, that, that closes the whispers for now. But we'll, I'm sure we'll uh, bring back some whispers. Whispers. Before the season kicks off again, because that's a good way to, you know, See what's going on out there because we are now it's legit. And I loved I really loved the most recent episode of Hard Knocks, how they really did um, manage to show you the enthusiasm and the excitement uh, and the joy, to be real honest with you. That was uh, coming out of that those buildings as they actually put on helmets and and shoulder pads and were running all over the field and hitting each other, rubbing their bodies against one another, as Greg would say. Um <laughs> So it's good. It's good. It almost felt it almost felt a little bit normal um, watching Hard Knocks when they're just going through a, a practice and some poor undrafted rookie is getting absolutely obliterated for being overweight. And it it was like, okay, this feels normal. Normalcy is mm. not a bad thing in 2020. Right. It was like kind of slow paced, but it was a little. It kind of reminded me of like football ASMR. You know, it's just like kind of pleasant to have football things happening you know with the sounds and everything on the tv it didn't have to have a lot of like juice you know or big like you know um plot points i mean you want to you know want to fall asleep talk to jared goff while playing golf for a few more minutes but I mean, <laughs> the rest of it, it was just sort of like pleasant to have there i jared? I, I like that I like the episode a lot just because it really did feel like a slice of life. Like they kind of accomplished what the show sets out to do, which is taking you behind the scenes to what it's like there. And that I think exactly uh, I think they got that across. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I think the contrast to like what we were dealing with with the Oakland Raiders a year ago and Antonio Brown, which was, you know, a massive news story unfolding. I don't, you know, with this, and I'd like to, I'd interested to see what they do with Melvin Gordon next week. They're both very likable teams. And I've, I've been harsh on the LA teams, but I've grown fonder of them. Uh, this week, especially, I didn't like last week's episode very much, but the whole like Andrew Whitworth thing, um, finding out how Corona spread through his family and him like sort of calling out his nanny on HBO, I thought was um, a next level move. He did, which not, I enjoyed. he did not call out. He did not call her out. He actually went out of well, his way to say he didn't blame her for it, but he told know, the story it that like, it started over lunch. The first time her date. name has ever appeared on television, she's probably not. You know, there could there could be other circumstances. <laughs> but I thought also the Seth Ryan Rex Ryan son thing was fascinating to watch because it from another corona angle where like there's this decision made or you know results come in and then is it true or is it not and like but the whole idea that Seth Ryan materialized which makes so much sense because 
it, you know, it, Anthony Lynn and Rex Ryan are super tight, and it makes sense that Seth Ryan would show up there. But um, I, I thought there was a lot to like in the episode. Speaking of beat reporters, anyone that's a, a Jets fan that keeps up with the team, back in the golden years of Rex and the Jets, it was a very popular notebook item that Mark Sanchez would attend a lot of uh, Rex's son's football games, high school football games. So it's just funny how the passage of time. Now that high school kid is Seth Ryan, who's an, a, a centerpiece of an episode of Hard Knocks for a false positive coronavirus test. Uh, I wish we had more Ryans. It's good to have some Ryan lineage still in the league, but we got to get Uncle Rob back in the league. I know he's doing great oh, yeah. stuff at Sky Sports. I mean, we're working and, with and Rex him would at be Sky great Sports. too. That that'll be fun. No, we need. I want Rob coaching on the sidelines and not just as a linebacker coach. I want him as a DC and swaggering up and down the sidelines with the flowing silver hair and the belly and just being completely in control of his domain. I want that Rob. Well, that means we can't have beer with our Rob. So I, I, I like the latter ah, that's where true he's too. just in London with us somewhere, you know. And that would take away if he if he left Sky, I think he's Neil Reynolds' best friend, so we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't do that. All right. Good stuff, guys. We'll be back on Friday. A lot coming up this week. We'll have our uh news edition of rundown edition of the Around the NFL podcast. And then also we'll be taping our Around the NFL broadcast that you could check out on Friday afternoon on NFL.com and then Saturday morning on the network so everyone can see it if they like. All right. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. Yo, boss. Ricky Hollywood. There she is. Wondering where she's been. Hi. <laughs> Until Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 